Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. And I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I tout four types of freedom, financial, time, location, emotional freedom. It's been one of my honor to highlight physicians that are doing things outside of the box, either entrepreneurship investing, thought leadership, um, and really trying to hone down and bring awareness to physicians about the importance of physician finances. So today we have Dr. Virgie Bright-Ellington from uh, New York City, and she's going to talk to us all about her journey, physician finances, and why it's so important for physicians. Virgie, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. Yeah, I know we had uh, connected. Uh, similar networks and uh you know i'm happy to have you on the podcast and i know you talk a lot about the importance of physician finances you know a lot of physicians are coming out and speaking out about that so tell us more about yourself um, what you do and we'll go from there sure so i am the principal of an education media brand crush medical debt which helps people struggling with medical bills And my background is I've been a board certified internal medicine physician for longer than I want to admit, almost 25 years. I can't believe it. Um, I usually don't say that out loud. I just say, oh, for a long time. (laughs) And uh, I was a health insurance executive for about 10 years. And then a series of events uh, landed me uh, to starting the second business, uh, the second startup, and I'd say about 20 years. And uh, that's how I landed here. It's a yeah. long journey, you know, very interesting, but definitely doing um, things that my uh, physician ex-husband said, you know, you shouldn't do. You know, <laughs> you really need to make sure that you stay, stay in clinical medicine no matter what. And you should be grateful and just stay in clinical medicine, a hundred percent. Yes. We can talk about, you know, all of the, um, you know, cliches. In the yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of- he said, buy a big house, live fancy life <laughs> and uh, make sure that you stay hundred percent clinical work. Well, you can, you don't have to stay a hundred percent, but mostly clinical work. Yeah. So tell us more about uh crush medical debt. It sounds very interesting. And you know, why the need? Well, uh, I, I have to tell you, I, thought I'd seen like the whole 360 degree view of the um, U.S. healthcare system and how it works financially, you know, from the provider side. And then, you know, during my 10 years working for a very large health insurance, private, commercial, publicly traded commercial insurance company, I thought I'd seen all perspectives. But it wasn't until I became a patient, um, had complications, it's a long story, complications from surgery to treat breast cancer in 20, this was in 2020. Mm-hmm. And um, I 
I didn't listen to my surgeon who said, you know, you, you just had a hysterectomy. The hysterectomy was done because my breast cancer is um, HRPR positive, uh, hormone sensitive. So we were doing a prophylactic hysterectomy and uh, going for my one post-op check. And he says, he says, um, you know, no lifting and, you know, blah, 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 blah for six weeks. And I'm just, just listening to him. And I said, finally, when he got, he said, don't lift more than five pounds for the next six weeks. And I looked at him, I said, well, I have chickens. He's like, what? what? <laughs> rightfully so. I said, I have chickens and their feed comes in these big 35 pound bags mm -hmm. and they need to get fed. So I have to lift them. He says, well, I have to leave the lift these heavy bags. And he says, well, decant them into five pound containers and don't lift more than five pounds. Didn't listen to him. And rolled in uh, two months later into the ER uh, because um, the hip, uh, the bowel hurt was herniating and becoming gangrenous in the in the herniated thing. So um, I woke up in uh, after <laughs> the surgery. I woke up and um, I realized I had a roommate. I was like, "Well, good news, good news, bad news. I'm not in the ICU, so I'm going to be okay." Because I realized I really messed up when I realized I was probably septic. Hmm. or they put me under. And then um, I woke up and I said, well, the bad news is I have a roommate. I must've been really sick because I always make sure I get a private room whenever I go into the hospital. Hmm. Anyway, it turns out my roommate, it was this young woman, mom of toddler who basically she wasn't working outside the home because her kids weren't school age yet. And the husband worked at a 24 hour diner. So very, very, very modest income. And I thought, you know, listening to her story and, and I thought I knew it all until she told me, you know, the whole perspective of, you know, the U.S. healthcare system and, and the patients are, are billed appropriately and mm -hmm. as accurately as possible. And um, she told me that uh, the last time she had been in the hospital a year prior for something similar for a serious issue. After a weekend, uh, weekend the you know set up a good solid week in the hospital. On the day of discharge, the rep from the billing department came in and told her before she could leave, she had to sign an agreement saying a financial agreement saying that she would agree to pay what her insurance doesn't pay. And I'm telling you, Doctor Lou, the curtain dropped. I saw red. I was enraged because I knew she had just signed away her financial future for her and her family. And, you know, at, at best, you know, they're going to end up bankrupt. There's no way, you know, with their modest income. And then, you know, I thought, you know what, Virgie, don't get angry. Don't get mad, get to getting, do something. And that's how crush medical debt was born. So what I do is I, um, have the, the book was released in May, what your doctor wants you to know to crush medical debt. The second in the what your doctor wants you to know series in 2008, 2009, the first of the series came out, um, uh, what your doctor wants you to know, but doesn't have time to tell you. And in addition to the book, we have a 50 minute video course that teaches people struggling with bills, the top ways to protect yourself from America's number one cause of debt, stress, and bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the goal is our target audience is the American public. And so I wrote the book, Crush Medical Debt, 
specifically for a fourth to ninth grade reading level. And I didn't always, I don't think I always successfully made it, but most of the time, I, I think I, I'm pretty sure I did. And um, that's what we're doing. So we teach folks how to uh, protect themselves from the number one cause of, of this country's uh, debt, stress, and bankruptcy. And we uh, share this information with employers, right? Where do most folks in this country get their health insurance from, right? From their employers. So we're partnering with employers to help them teach their employees financial wellness, essentially protecting their employees from stress, the number one cause of stress and, and debt in, in this country. Mm -hmm. And you know, I have to say, you know, uh, the, the journey is that I feel really, really fortunate. I had, you know, somewhat of a solid financial, significant, I'd say personal financial literacy so that I was able to fund my dreams. So I didn't have to do clinical medicine. I could step out and say, I'm going to give all of my time to this really, really needed issue for the American public. Mm. Yeah, that's quite a no, um, very inspiring story and in how you use, you know, personal loss and tragedy to do something, you know, beneficial. So, and, uh, you know, the physician community really needs this. Uh, honestly, the healthcare system is broken. You know, what's, what's interesting is that, uh, you know, what are some, some of the most common ways that people can, um, you know, prevent, you know, either stress or, you know, medical bills, medical debt, um, what can, what are some steps that people can start taking today to, you know, mitigate that um, risk in, in the event that it happens? What I teach people, uh, Dr. Liu, is that there's only one right way to pay a medical bill, and that involves three steps. Step one is calling them. When you get a, a bill, it's not actually usually nine times out of 10. It's not really a bill. It's a statement. It's a wish list by the, <laughs> by the provider, hoping that you'll fall for it. You think it's a real bill. A real bill has CPT codes. And I explained to people, CPT codes are just like barcodes. When you go into a store, every product has one. And in the U.S. medical system, every medical service has a barcode and they're called CPT codes. So if you look at your statement, if it doesn't have CPT codes, then it's not a real bill. You're going to call the provider, the number on that statement, and you're going to ask for a real bill with CPT code. Now, step two, you're going to take that, once you get it, you're going to take that real bill with CPT codes and input the CPT codes, Google it to find out, like with a barcode, when you run it through a scanner, it tells you what the service is or the product is, in this case, the service. Um, and for instance, 9983 is an established outpatient office visit. Um, and then while you're there Googling, you're also going to Google what Medicare pays for that service. And then step three, you're going to call back the provider and say, hey, you know what, you billed me $10,000 for a hernia repair. And in my case, in my research, you know what, Medicare pays, you know, $2,000 for this. I want an interest-free payment plan for $2,000 and I can only pay $100 a month. And I understand it's going to take me a long time, but that's the best I can do. Mm -hmm. And the reason why healthcare systems and medical care systems and hospital systems agree to it because they know that it's less expensive to guarantee to get a little bit of something. How's it go? A little bit of something is better than all of nothing. 
Mm-hmm. They know it's easier to come after you. It's less expensive than you know to have to chase you and get maybe have to eventually sell the debt for uh, pennies on a dollar. So that's why you know they'll give you pushback. That's their job. They've been trained to do that in the billing department. But stick to your guns and do it. So that's what I teach people, and uh, it's again I find it really interesting of what we see in the media in terms of you know the myth of the physician who's wealthy. But yeah, we have more resources because we work so much harder than I can't think of any other um, industry um, in terms of hours. When you think of the hours that we typically work, we make, you know, at best, if even minimum wage, you know, to, you know, especially starting out in residency. But, you know, I, I wish I could talk to physicians, especially physicians starting their training. Um, so I'm really glad that you're doing this work in terms of hosting this podcast and educating physicians about, you know, becoming, you know, uh, per, you know, uh, financially literate. So mm-hmm. none of this, uh, Dr. Lou, would have been possible if I hadn't have, when I was uh, starting, when I was a resident, that I didn't sign up for the, you know, tax deferred retirement thing, you know, so Usually with academic institutions, they're called four or three Bs, basically a 401k. And especially more and more in this system, we're going to, at some point in our career, we're going to be employed physicians. Sign up for the deferred um, or tax deferred retirement accounts, no matter what, because you're working hard. And then at the end of the time, especially in training, you're going to be an employed physician at least while you're in training. So that's three to four years of money set aside. Max, do as much as you can is definitely you have to do it if your employer, if the institution matches, that's just giving away free money if you don't, you know, get your letting go of free money if you don't do it, but max to what they match. And when you look up, when you're ready to start a venture, when you're like, you know what, I I'm not going to be forced to work in this manner. I don't like being uh, employed by this particular corporation. I realize my company or my institution has been bought by private equity, and I'm not I'm not nah, I'm not doing that anymore. You have the freedom to do that because you can do what's called. I'm dating myself again. Uh, it's called Regulation D financing. And it's named after the uh, part of the statute in the IRS that says you can take your IRA and or 401k, definitely your IRA, um, 100% of the time. And I'm not sure if it's 100% of the time your 401k, but I think it is recently. Anyway, it's a statute that says you can take your business and instead of your IRA investing in you know stocks and in you know publicly traded corporation um in a mutual fund or you know ETF funds all ETFs whatever whatever um you can invest in your own business so there are companies uh there's a company I worked with twice in 20 years that will help you change your business usually the businesses that we start are startup small businesses are l we hold them as llcs or s corps the process is this company that i particularly work with and they didn't pay me to say this by the way uh, it's called benetrends because uh, i love them so much i i just adore them with the work that they're doing and they're helping folks 
uh, fund their dreams without having to go to private equity or VCs. Right. So anyway, so once they help you convert your business into a C corporation so that you can invest that IRA money, 401k and IRA money, 43B, 401k IRA money into your business. So you don't have to spend time and just um, kind of fall off the track because you're trying to chase after VC money and that kind of thing. And who it, it just takes away, who has time for that? We don't have time for that as physicians, right? Uh, so um, I have to say that was a, I, I don't think, no, I don't think, I know I would not be able to do what I'm doing if it weren't for uh, regulation D financing. So fast forward, when I started uh, Crush Medical Debt, I went back to Benetrends and said, hey, you know, I'm ready to do regulation D financing again uh, to start this, this particular business. And <laughs> I so, oh my gosh, I never felt so old until when the guy said, what's regulation D financing? So it's been so long that yeah. they changed the name. They made it more, um, I guess, you know, layperson friendly terminology. So it's now called Rob's Rollo as business startup. That's how I got here. That's how I got to crush medical debt. And uh, just, you know what? It's like, I don't understand why the media is just, they just talk about the same old stuff that has nothing to do with anything. And no one knows about, I never heard anybody talking about Rob's or regulation D financing back in the day. I, I happened to find, I was looking, I subscribed back in the day to entrepreneur or something. And it was like a little tiny article where somebody started their um, company with it. And they mentioned the company Benetrends. And I was like, oh, and the rest is history. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Um, I have a, so, you know, a lot of individuals, they, um, they have a 401 or 403B, uh, they, you know, they have some, I know in 2020 with the, um, with the COVID, uh, relief package, you know, they allowed you to take, you know, borrow against it and then repay it, you know, after a certain time, what are the stipulations about repayment? You know, if you, if you would draw it, you know, before your, oh my gosh, thank you for asking that. I forgot to clarify that why this is so huge rob's rollover as business startup is so huge is because it's not a loan Number, mm. there's many things so you don't have the 10 percent penalty that you're taking out let's let's compare the two sides if you're doing a rob's and you're just saying hey i'm gonna take out a loan or completely liquidate my 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 IRA four one you know four one k or four three b. If you're under fifty nine and a half, you're going to lose ten percent right off right there. And then if you um, don't pay it back, if you take out a loan, you don't pay it back within five years. Like you get for whatever reason get separated from the institution, the the employer that's being that will be registered as a withdrawal, and you'll be taxed full stop. So let's say, just make the math easy. Let's say you have a hundred dollars, a hundred, sorry, a hundred, a hundred K in your four, three B, you know, your retirement account. If you don't take it out as a ROBS, if you don't do a ROBS, you're going to have 10% taken off. Let's say um, another 30%. You've lost, you're down instead of having a hundred K to invest in your company, you only have 60 K with the ROBS. 
it's 100%. You take that and just instead of investing in Apple, you're investing in crush medical debt. That's what, mm. it, that's what you're doing. So there's no payback. It, it is what it is. Mm. Now, it is more expensive when it comes around to tax time because um, C corporations, the taxing is an issue and that kind of thing. And mm. you have to um, hire, make sure you hire a good CPA, have a good CPA on board. It's like having a real company yeah. corporation. Uh, so that's the only difference, but I, you have 60 K to invest. If you do it, you know, with a loan or take it, you know, it's totally um, liquidate your retirement account versus with the ROBS or, you know, historically called regulation D financing, you have that whole hundred K. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. And is there any sort of special paperwork you have to fill out any forms or, you know, you keep, you, you know, you keep making me feel old Dr. Lou. <laughs> so yeah, back in the day, 20, almost 20 years ago, the first time I did, um, I worked with Benetrends and had them invest in the company I had back then, um, my startup back then, it took about three or four months of paperwork going back and forth. But 20 years later, they've got it streamlined where it takes instead of like three or four months, it takes like four weeks. Mm -hmm. It's the and they have a they have it down to an art It's automated and they tell you what you need, they'll call you, they have each person assigned to help you each step of the way and say, okay, you need this, okay, you know, and it's just so straightforward and easy. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just, I, I'm still, I have to say, I'm kind of um, annoyed that, you know, the personal finance media doesn't talk about mm -hmm. this and entrepreneur, mag you know, entrepreneur media folks, why isn't anybody talking about this? Everybody just talks about VC, 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 private equity, you know, private investors, angel investors. What? What? Why? Well, yeah. well <laughs> this has uh, been a very fascinating discussion and we'll have to continue it, um, you know, subsequent episodes. Um, and, uh, you know, but that Rob's act that you described is very interesting. And I know a lot of individuals would be interested in contacting you, you know, visiting your website, you know, and or in even learning more about you. So how can they do that? Sure. So I am, um, you can find me on LinkedIn if you want to reach out. The company site is crushmedicaldebt.com. And mm -hmm. Benetrends is, you know, I, again, I swear they haven't paid me a dime. I just love them. They're, I just feel like they're doing like an American public service. That Benetrends is spelled B as in boy, E N as in Nancy, E T as in uh trends re and just google them and and they'll pop up and you'll find them they're pretty accessible excellent and for all the audience out there listening or ellington resources will be in the links in the show notes and um so virgie it's been a great time having you on the podcast and um you know it's great to have other physicians you know thought leaders you know with the same mindset and with with the intention of changing the face of medicine. So thanks so much for that. And we look forward to hearing for your future success. Thank you so much for having me. Much appreciated. I hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you, wherever you are listening, if you liked it, sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week